Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you this morning for your word, and we ask you now to give us your Holy Spirit that we might uh, hear your word, that we might understand your word, and we might live your word in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please be seated. Good morning. It's great to be with you. I just want you to know that I have a terrible memory. Uh, what you, I don't even know who you are. Um, and uh, I, where are we? I just don't remember sometimes. I don't remember lots of things. I don't remember things that I ask people. I don't remember things that I'm committed to doing. And I never, ever remember the things that I watched on Netflix, which is why it's brilliant that on Netflix, it has that little section that says, watch it again, right? Which is a clear indication to me that I have seen it before and I should try try to decide whether or not to watch it again. Remembering things is a real challenge. And I remember one of my favorite movies is V is for Vendetta. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's a little bit gruesome. It is about a dystopian situation in which uh, these uh, rebellious people try to overthrow this bad government. And I've watched that movie dozen not dozens. I probably have watched that movie a dozen times in my life. It is one of the few movies that I own on a DVD. If you don't know what a DVD is, that's what we watched before we had Netflix. Um, But in that movie, they recall and they relive an attempted rebellion in England in the early 17th century. Uh, It was called the Gunpowder Rebellion. And they remembered it in England, they remember this uh, this rebellion with a poem. It says, "Remember, remember the fifth of November," and it is a nursery rhyme that children were taught in the 17th century to remember this event when this group of people tried to overthrow the English government. And a guy named Guy Fawkes was uh, caught attempting to ignite 2.5 tons of gunpowder underneath Parliament and his attempt to bring the government down and to assassinate the king. And English children uh, were taught this nursery rhyme to commemorate the event and the fact that the plan was thwarted and the king lived. Remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. I see no reason why gunpowder, treason should ever be forgot. We have a need to remember things. It is something that we need to do individually and that we need to do corporately. It is important for us as individuals and as a body, as a people, as a nation, as a family, whatever the group, remembering is important. Individually, it's important to remember birthdays and particularly anniversaries if you're married. It's important to remember when to pay your bills and when to file your taxes, which just as a freebie right now that comes up in just a few days, April 15th. Uh, If you haven't gotten it started, it's time to get it started. Um, It's important for me to remember calendar dates and meetings and plans because nothing embarrasses me more than missing a meeting. Most importantly... We need to remember the people and the history, the people of our lives and the history that we share. Now, if you have ever lived with someone who has suffered from a memory loss event 
or is suffering from Alzheimer, you know how difficult the situation is when you think about, why doesn't this person remember me? Or how could they forget that event? Memory is important. And it's important to us as a community as well. We all have those moments that we never forget. Some of you remember when JFK was assassinated. Most of you remember when the Challenger exploded. And I would guess that even more of us would remember when the Twin Towers fell on 9-11. I remember on my stepfather's truck a sticker that said, POW, MIA, Vietnam. You are not forgotten. It's important to remember. But the truth is, it's actually easy and pretty common for us to forget. To forget big things and to forget little things in both our individual and our communal life. You know, my grandfather, he lived to be 102 years old. I know, right? I keep telling Rachel, you're stuck with me for a very long time. (laughs) Very long. She goes, well, I probably won't be around, but um, good luck. My grandfather lived to be 102, and we celebrated in in that last decade or so, we celebrated vigorously and with gusto each year as he aged. It was February 9th, 1905 that he was born. We celebrated and remembered because he was with us. And it was easy to remember his birthday during those years. But it became more difficult the longer he was gone. Our memories weren't as sharp. And the truth be told is I haven't remembered February 9th for a number of years without the help of my father or my aunt. No judgment on myself. This is just how our memories work. It's like the old saying goes, right? Out of sight, what? Out of mind. See, God knows and understands this limitation of human memory. He understands that when things are out of our sight, they will become out of our mind. He understands the necessity of remembering and our human need to have devices and events to help us remember the things that matter. In both of our readings this morning, from Exodus and from Luke's Gospel, we see God's way of helping us remember. The Jews, they celebrated annually their Passover meal, and Christians, we celebrate regularly our Passover meal, which is the Lord's Supper in order that we might remember that God makes a way for us to be saved. In order to remember that the Jews were once slaves in Egypt, then that apart from Jesus, humans, all of us, are slaves to sin. In order to remember that judgment and death were coming our way, and to remember that God was making a way for you and for me in spite of all of this, to be saved. The Passover meal, the Last Supper with the disciples, and the Lord's Supper that we celebrate all reveal this same truth and are means by which we remember the truth of the gospel, that God takes his perfect son and he breaks them so that he might take his broken people and make us perfect. And so I want to look briefly at our text from Luke 22. In the first verse, we learn that 
the day of unleavened bread, that is the day of the Passover on which the Passover lamb has to be sacrificed, has come. It is the day for the Jews to celebrate the Passover meal. Now, the Passover is one of the three principal feasts that Jewish people celebrate each and every year. And it commemorates the events that we read about in Exodus 12 this morning, where God's people, they were enslaved in Egypt, and God was in the process of delivering them from Egypt, right? Eventually through the Red Sea. We've covered this in our history series. And he has been sending plagues upon the Egyptians because Pharaoh was unwilling to obey God and to let his people go. You following along in the story? You get, these are pieces and parts. And then in the last plague, it's described more fully in Exodus 11, but it's described in our passage this morning. God promises to strike down every firstborn in the land. Every firstborn in Egypt is going to die because of their disobedience. From the firstborn in Pharaoh's house to the firstborn of every other house, and in fact, the firstborn of every animal in the land. Because of God's righteous judgment upon Pharaoh, because of his righteous judgment on his disobedience, because of his sin, God's judgment on sin is comprehensive. And what we read in Exodus 12 this morning is this, that God provides a way for his people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, to avoid this judgment. And they are to take a lamb, a perfect lamb without blemish and sacrifice it and take its blood and to put the blood on the doorpost and upon the lintels of the house. And what God promises, he makes a covenant to his people that if they will be obedient and do these things, that when he comes across the land to strike down the firstborn, he will see the blood of the lamb and he will pass over the house and not destroy any member of the house. When I see the blood... He says in Exodus, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you when I strike the land of Egypt. The Passover blood is the shield against God's wrath. The Passover blood is the shield and protects people from God's wrath. And God spares judgment of, uh, by the blood of the Lamb. God makes a way to save His people. The lamb is taken and is broken and its life is given for the lives of God's people. This is part of the Jewish people's history. And God wants them to remember it. And so he has prescribed that every year they shall celebrate this meal and to relive it as a memorial day so that they might remember is given so that they might remember that it is God who saves. So it is when we get to Luke chapter 22. Jesus, as a good Jewish man, sits down to celebrate the Passover meal with his disciples in verse 14. And just a side note, I'd like you to notice this, that in Exodus 12, God prescribes this to be done within the family, within the family unit to be done. It's to be done communally. The Passover meal is to be done with other people. And so it is that the family will gather throughout history, Jewish families will gather to celebrate this meal. Now Jesus, he's kind of rewriting this a little bit because he sits down with his new family. 
he sits down with the 12 disciples. So see, he's kind of rewriting this prescription just a little bit. So he sits down with his, his disciples in verse 14. And the disciples are going to quickly learn that this isn't the only difference in the Passover meal celebration. Because this Passover, this year, is different. It's Jesus' last supper with them. And not only will, they, will this particular meal be different, but every meal like it in the future will be transformed as well. And you get this feeling in verse 15 when Jesus says to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now the Greek is interesting here. There's a unique repetition in Jesus' words in the original language. It is epithemia ethemesa. With desire, I have desired. If somebody were to say that to you today and do some kind of repetition, you'd be like, something's not right in Trevor's brain. But no, what Jesus is, he's making a significant, he's, 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 he's indicating that this is immensely significant. With desire, I have desired. It's like a, a love note written to your betrothed. You, 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 you're, you're repeating things that don't make sense. But it's really, he's, he's saying, look, this moment I've desired completely. This moment is different. This moment, this Passover meal is more significant than any other one in the past. Any other meal that we've shared over these last three years. Why is this meal different? It's this. Because Jesus is going to become the perfect Passover lamb. He is going to be the one who will die and to have his body broken so that God would pass over our sin and let us live. It will be his blood that will be poured out and symbolically painted upon the doorpost and the lintels of our home so that when God's wrath against sin, which he is just to perform, when his wrath comes, he will see the blood of Jesus over me, over you, over the disciples, and he will pass over us so that you and I might live. I mean, this is remarkable. I mean, these are the people who've been doing the same meal for thousands of years. These are the people who've been sacrificing lamb and goat and animal in the sacrificial system week by week, month by month, year by year, because their sin continues. And all of a sudden, Jesus, God himself, comes down and he says, look, I am going to be your Passover lamb. I'm going to be your uh, savior. I'm going to pour out my blood so that you might live. Now, you might remember the words of John the Baptist way back in John, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, when he sees Jesus after Jesus' baptism, and he says this, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, because Jesus is walking by. I mean, and all of a sudden, here, three years later or so, the disciples are going, Oh my goodness, we're going to realize that he is the Passover Lamb. But he is the Lamb of God who is taking away the sins of the world. So in this meal, commemorating God's past deliverance, Jesus is giving his disciples an object lesson moments, hours before his death upon the cross. He'll take the bread, and it now becomes a symbol, a new symbol for the disciples in verse 19. He took bread, and when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it, And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in 
remembrance of me. Not only is he saying this is my body, but I'm giving you a new meal to share in order that you might remember me. It will be Jesus' body, not the Lamb's body of Exodus 12 that will be broken for them. Then he gives them the cup of wine, which in the original Passover meal symbolized the blood of the Lamb and the covenant God had made with His people, that if they would be obedient and do these things and follow His instructions, He would save not only their firstborn from death, but He's going to save them from Egypt. He will spare their lives. So Jesus in verse 20 takes the cup and says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He is fulfilling, perfecting, rewriting the Passover in several ways. He's giving them a new covenant. And here are some of the things that the new, how the new covenant, here are some ways in which the new covenant is different from the old. First, it's being mediated not by the sacrifice of an animal, but God's own self-sacrifice. He gives His own life for us. He's immensely more valuable than just an animal. Second, it's conducted by Jesus, who is perfect, and not by the Jewish priests, who, like every other human, is corrupted by sin. And third, this sacrifice doesn't need to be repeated day by day, week by week, year by year. This sacrifice is once for all. Jesus will not remain dead. He will rise again. He has power over death. And so all of a sudden, the death that He pays for our sin by His body will be defeated completely. It is no longer necessary for Him to die again because He is victorious, because He lives. And because He lives, we all can live too. The new covenant is perfect, and it is better than the old. And so why is it that Jesus skips to this meal and he says, I have eagerly desired, I have with desire desired to have this moment with you. Why is that his sentence? Because this is why Jesus came into the world. Jesus comes into the world to save sinners. He didn't come just to do some miracles, just to heal some people, just to do some things. No, he comes ultimately and completely to go to the cross This is the moment that changes everything. God sends Jesus into the world so that you might live through him. Because God sent his son into the world to take his perfect son and to break him and to give his life as a ransom for all of us. God takes his perfect son and breaks him so that he might take broken people and make us perfect. This meal is the turning point. It is our Passover meal. It is the Passover meal. If this last supper with the, it's this last supper with his disciples and its institution of the Lord's Supper, Jesus has planned for it. He has come to do it, and he will want us to follow him in this. He will want us to share this meal over and over and over again. He instructs all believers to eat the bread and to drink the wine in remembrance of him because it's important for us to remember. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, he says, the believer today eats this Lord's Supper until Jesus comes. It has a real effect on you and me. 
For as often as you eat it, Paul says, as for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're basically remembering Jesus when you come to this table. You're remembering who he was. You're remembering what he did. Remember what he's doing. When we together come together to have this meal, because remembering is important. And remembering it does kind of four things for us, and this is a way of wrapping up this morning. The first thing it does is it will lead us to repentance. Remember, Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, remember then what you received and heard. Remember the gospel. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. When we remember what Jesus has done, we remember that he came into the world to save us from our sin, and it will prompt us to examine ourselves. The Lord's Supper requires us to remember Jesus, to look at our lives and repent. That's why in our Anglican worship, before we get to the table, we will do what? We're going to confess our sin, right? Because it will draw out of us when we come and encounter the Lord, it will remind us where we continue to fall short. Second, remembering leads us to understanding. You might remember when Jesus, when uh, the women go to the empty tomb on the first Easter. The angels appear to the women and they say in Luke 24, he's not here, but is risen. And then the angel says, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the cross and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. When you come to the table, you will remember what Jesus has done, and it will help you to understand. Third, remembering produces hope, hope for the future. The writer of Lamentations, the speaker makes this incredible statement, even in the midst of his great difficulties. But this I call to mind, he says, by this I remember, and therefore I have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. What more do we do when we come to the table but take the Lord into our hands? And he is our portion. And we will hope in him. Finally, All of this leads us to rejoice. Remembering leads us to rejoice. The psalmist uh, David, King David, remembers and throughout the psalms lots of times, and he rejoices, but particularly in Psalm 13, he says this, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. When he remembers that he's trusted, he rejoices in his salvation. You know, years ago, uh, my grandfather, who lived to be 102, his wife lived to be 94, which is also indication that I've got a long way to go. But my grandmother, a few years, I can't remember, it was probably seven or eight years before she died, she had a stroke. And one of the things that she lost, besides some uh, mobility, was she lost much of her memory. 
And she would sit in the nursing home and um, sometimes she would remember things and sometimes she wouldn't. And my grandfather would come and visit her each and every day. And this was one of the things that I loved to watch when I was with my grandfather visiting her. He would come up behind her and he would grab her ear. And it had been something that he had been doing for 60 or 70 years. He would come up to her in the kitchen and tug on her ear to tell her she, he was home. He would come by the vanity as she was getting ready for church and he would tug on her ear when he, it was an indication that he loved her. And it was an indication for her that he was there. It was beautiful. This supper, this meal that Jesus gives us is a perfect indication that Jesus is here and that he loves you and that he's given his life for you. It's not just an object lesson for us to see and remember. It's an object lesson that God desires for us to participate each and every day of our life. When we come, when you come to this table this morning, will you remember the steadfast love of Jesus for you? That he has given his whole life, his body and his blood to save you. He has come to be your perfect Passover lamb. And may that lead you to repent. May it lead you to understand. May it lead you to rejoice and have hope. Let's pray. Excuse me. Father, we do thank you that you did not wish us to die, but have given your son so that we might have life. Lord, I pray that we would come to your table and receive all the promises that come from receiving you. That we might be fully transformed by sharing this meal. Not just simply individually, but corporately. Would you help us to remember all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do as we continue in worship in Jesus' name. Amen.